Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 34. Welcome to the Secrets to Real Estate Investing podcast by House Flip Masters, where you will learn powerful strategies from top experts in real estate investing, and you will find valuable information to take your investments to the next level. Now, here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Hello and welcome everybody to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing by House Flip Masters. And today we have an awesome guest with us. This is a lady I admire tremendously. She has done what for some seems so challenging. She has escaped the rat race through investing in real estate. And I'm so excited to have this lady share her experiences and her wisdom and her knowledge today. She's based in Southern California, and that's where most of her real estate investing has been, as she'll uh, tell us, and how she's transitioned into the other Central California area. But with that, welcome Valerie Clark to our podcast. Hi, Holly. So glad to have you here today. Well, for those of the people listening that have not heard your story, why don't you take a few minutes and tell us about your background, what you did before real estate, and how you got into it? Okay. Well, thank you for having me, number one, and thank you to your listeners as well. Just trying to share my story and try to inspire others to, like I said, get out of the rat race and be self-employed and get that those nice uh, that checks in the mail every month. It's the best thing in life. Yes, ma'am. I love it. So what did you do before real estate? Well, I did have a, a, a marketing background. I was in high-tech marketing, worked for some major companies, and I was in the rat race and actually didn't mind it. I had a really good job and 20 years of that and then it was over and I wanted to be self-employed and get into real estate I just had that goal and and made it happen and of course there's always people and things and coincidences that come into play to make things jump at the right time and uh, I just got in and stayed in heavy Hmm. So you were in marketing and what was kind of your, were you trying to get, you did like your job. So the job um, disappeared for you and then you had to find something else or what happened with that? I don't even know if I know this part of your story. Uh huh. Well, I, yeah, I've been mar- in marketing. I mean, I was working at Xerox when I just fresh out of college, had a marketing degree, moved to California from Phoenix. Um, but yeah, I just stayed in marketing, always stayed in the high tech industry, Xerox to TRW, marketing satellites and military equipment, and then went into a software engineering company for 10 years. And I was the chief morale officer for a company of about 300. And anyway, it was, yeah, I had a blast, but uh, time ran out and downsizing kicked in and I was looking around going, okay, now what? And Real real estate was always an interest and passion of mine. I had purchased my home. I had I had a little experience, um, but I went full full on into it. Well, tell us about your first deal. 
Okay. Well, my first deal, um, I'm not going to tell, but I mean, my first deal was when I was a kid, I bought a condo and lived in it for a while, but, um, but again, I started early, way early, and that kind of escalated. I also purchased a, uh, my home in Hermosa Beach, which was a little dive dump uh, that just helped, so happened to be a R2 lot with an ocean view. So I was very lucky to have purchased that home, and I... Again, this is, I can't even remember how many years ago it was, 30 years ago or whatever. But I, I mean, I was, I had such buyer's remorse after I bought that house. It was, it's laughable now. I just, it's completely laughable how scared and crazy that I thought I had just made the biggest mistake of my life by buying this house. And of course, my mother didn't help. She came, visited from Arizona and went, What kind of a dump is this? But. <laughs> I kicked her out of the house and uh, eventually ended up, uh, I eventually split that lot on paper. I hired, when I was done living there, I had had my run with the South Bay and my job at TRW ended. So I was moving down to Orange County. And so I decided to sell that, but obviously knew that improving, I'm doing some value add was the right thing to do. So I split the lot, went, hired an architect, made plans for two units, and then I sold the approved plans, which was the hardest thing to do with the city of Hermosa Beach. And I just sold it to someone else to finish the job since I had not done any development um, other than just what I had just done by hiring an architect. So I made quite a home run on that deal, that's needless to say. So I had a little stash and I was still working at the time. So that's why I didn't mind being in the rat race, but I had my mind on other things. But when I was, you know, right around to 2000, year 2000, I was free from the rat, from a job and looking full time for real estate. So I was looking in Long Beach, that was kind of my playground at the time. And I found a very found a building that I was interested in. I got an offer accepted. It was a nine-unit apartment building, and it was probably a right around just shy of maybe it was eight hundred thousand dollars. I think it was eight or nine, right around there. And I had it under contract and in escrow, and I freaked out again. I just had horrible buyer's remorse again getting really scared and I had a, a an acquaintance not even a really a good pal of mine but just a local investor kind of guy that I met at some other house that we were looking at and I told him I had this deal and then I was scared to death of it and he offered to go check it out and anyway long story short we became partners and he had he brought another guy in and I was so scared. I, I, I ended up just giving away two thirds of the deal, but I, it made me comfortable. So I'm not saying I regretted bringing these two guys on. It, it helped me quite a bit by partnering with someone with more experience for this first major deal. So we actually did this three way and everybody had their own role and we agreed in a, in a year if we weren't, best of pals that we would end the deal and sell out. And 
that's exactly what happened. Just just after a year later, everybody was like, let's get out of this deal. It was a lot of work for this one guy, and it just wasn't working out. So we ended up selling that building, and we made almost a, a $400,000 profit in one year. So we each we divided that by three, and I I was just so excited to get that huge check. I mean, I, I was bouncing off the walls. Oh my God! I just made a hundred thousand dollars in in a year. I was I was just so happy, and I and I got my check. And I was holding it in my hand, and I'd asked the escrow lady that had given me the check. I said, "Who is that gal? Who is that real estate lady that sold the building to the buyer?" <laughs> And she ended up being just right downstairs. So I walked downstairs and met her and just bonded and clicked with her automatically. Uh, and we were chatting and I was telling her about my building, how glad I was to sell it. And she goes, well, the guy that bought it, I, I buy buildings for him all the time. He He's buying up Long Beach and he's turning all these apartment buildings into condos. And he's going to be making over a million dollars on this building within the next year. And I tell you, my jaw dropped to the ground. Here, this little check I was holding for $100,000 and knowing this guy was going to make a million dollars in one less than one year. I, I, I just couldn't even believe it. So I said, all right, I want to do that. So skipped down a year. I bought, I bought something else and... And while I'm learning the condo business, I had put my money into another Long Beach building. And again, the timing, this is this is just early 2000s. Things were going up. You, you couldn't go wrong, basically. So everything I bought was just appreciating so quickly. So it, while I'm reading, researching condos, I had purchased another building and I sold that within a year and, and made another big chunk of dough. So, I wanted to do these condos, so I bought two pretty much side-by-side -side buildings. And again, timing, 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 money was easy to get. So it's not now. So it was so easy. He just had to have a breath to get, you know, a couple million dollars of the line of credit, which I did, and got construction loans. I mean, I, money was just flowing. So bought two buildings side-by-side, -side, gutted them. They're eight units each, so I did 16 condos in Long Beach. Kind of not in the greatest area, but I didn't mind that. And they were very easy to sell once you made them into condos. Again, money was easy so for these first-time buyers, so they could walk in and I'd pay the closing costs. They could pretty much get this condo for $300,000 with no money down and own it the next day. It was that easy. But... I got in at the kind of the tail end. So this is now it's like 2005, 2006, things are slowing down, money's getting tighter. I ended up uh, selling 14 of the 16 and just held the last two because I, I tell you, they went down to half price. I mean, everything was just falling. The sky was falling. So got got out of that. I held on to a couple of the rentals. And that kind of just changed my mindset from to, to, to have that rental income was very nice. So it, it piqued my interest to, instead of being such a, a flipper, to maybe have more of a consistent 
stream coming in. So I decided to keep some rentals, but still flip. I mean, I mean once you start flipping, it's kind of hard to stop. It's fun, it's challenging, it's exciting uh, until you get your toes stubbed a few times. But it's, it, it's, it is fun. So I did that for several years and flipped not as many as you have, but I did flip, you know, it, you know, I was doing, you know, three or maybe three a year, you're doing three a month, but I was doing them slowly and fun. And I was making an, and my goal and it was working out and, and then that dried up and I, especially in Orange County in Long Beach where I was playing, no way the deals just, just disappeared. Um, anyway, please feel free to jump in. I could babble all day, so please interject well, um, something. If you can go back a little bit. So you were initially buying buildings to hold as rentals, and that's what your first one was, and then you decided to to do the condoizing, which you did. And then from there, were you flipping single families, or is it uh, multi-units, or what was that? Uh, all uh, mo mostly single family. I mean, I did a four unit building in Long Beach, but I flipped that. But mostly homes that I would actually flip, you know, buy them. Uh, I, I aligned with a company that was a hard money lender that was buying at the auctions, and then they'd mark up the house and sell it to uh, me for cash. And they'd make all the, a lot of money up front, but I'd get a pretty good deal, even though I had to fix the house and, and then sell it. And I did have a, I do have a real estate license. It's not active, but I have had it for 30 some odd years. So, and I don't ever use it, but I still have it. Um, so some of these I sold myself at the end uh, when I was active. So it worked out pretty well to, to sell it retail. So that was, that was the end of my flipping days though. I mean, I, I, I did enough to where I, I had this threshold that I, I had to make this amount of money or I wasn't going to flip it. And, and my, my threshold was too high. I couldn't, I, I was astounded at that all of my pals that were flipping deals and they were happy to get 10, $20,000 on a flip. And I'm going, Oh my gosh, I, I, I don't want to do that. My, my math must be wrong. So I just didn't want to flip anymore. The risk started getting too high. So well, hey, if I can that was the change. That, that was the big change that I just went all into rentals. Right. But hey, on those flips, when you're saying you don't want to make ten or $20,000 on a deal, let's put some context to that. What total capital were these people investing or were you expecting to invest to make only 10 or 20 grand? Because we've got people in other parts of the country that might make 10 grand with having 30 grand in. That's a sweet return on investment. But here in Southern California, what were they? They'd make 10 or 20 grand on how much investment? Well, that is correct. Uh, yes, I was dealing in homes that were in between the three and $400,000 area. I did yeah, that's not worth it. The numbers weren't, it just wasn't there. I mean, so it was for some people and I, and I could throw some names out that, you know, they were doing this several times a month. So they're, when you're making 20 grand three times a month, yeah, that works out. But I wasn't, I wasn't doing them once a month. I was doing them, you know, just three or four a year and, and it just wasn't 
working for me. And then the deals just dried up and I wasn't looking anywhere else. I wasn't looking up. I was only in two counties, you know, the Orange County and, and Los Angeles County. And they just, you know, I just was driving all over looking for deals, chasing deals. I kissing frogs, kicking rocks. I was doing anything. And that's actually the next part of my story is that I, I was desperate. I was a maniac. I was crazy for a deal, desperate. And that's never a good place to be, but that's where I was. I was bleeding to death on all the homes I had with mortgages on it. And, you know, I was, <laughs> I was just bleeding to death is the word. I had to get some, some infusion of real estate that was paying my bill. So I, I went up into Kern County and again, just from a, an acquaintance, not as someone from an invest club uh, kind of said, Hey, let's go check out that area, this area up there. And I said, fine, I have another rock to kick, you know, let's go discover something. So I went up there and, you know, the homes were a tenth of what they were in Orange County. And I decided that was going to be my, my game. I, I bought a house from a, a, an agent that I met and she had a house. It was like $45,000. And this is in, you know, Kern County near Bakersfield area. And it was $45,000 and it had already, it was already rented. It was fixed and rented. And the, the renter was paying a thousand dollars a month. And I bought that house sight unseen cash. I was just, I was so desperate. I said, those, that math works for me. So here's the money. Thank you. Uh, goodbye. So I, I had the done deal, drove up there and looked at what I bought and really liked it. I said, wow, this is a total winner. They're older homes, but they're just, I mean, the math was fantastic. Well, so, yeah, let's put some context on that. So to get $1,000 a month rental income on an Orange County property I don't, back then, I don't know, was this just a few years ago? I mean, you probably would have had to invest, I don't know, $300,000 to get that same return or maybe two, two to 300 versus 45,000. So the return on investment was so much better there than in Orange County, which we call kind of a, a market where people to invest for appreciation as opposed for cash flow. So Taft, your area up there is definitely more of a cash flow market. Yes, it's but it's very dependent on the oil field. So I'm not, you know, telling everyone to rush up there and, you know, expect to do what I have done over the last, you know, five years up there. But uh, well, hey, not only that, if I if I can jump in one more time, I think you did get some appreciation over the last few years because the whole market did increase, but there might not be that much more appreciation coming i'm imagining there was some appreciation there in the last five years right absolutely but i would uh, i would never advise anyone to buy something with the hope and a prayer of appreciation and that i went through that bad mistake so i never would tell anyone to buy for appreciation only i i was i buy on the numbers i am a mathematician now that's my occupation it's but i can do the math if it works i buy it 
So no appreciation is calculated in for me at all, at all. That's smart. I think that's the way to go. You can't, you can't count on that or bake on that, bank on that for sure. So, well, why don't we jump forward a little bit more? So um, you can confirm or deny this, but I think what you did was you, you took all your money and your investments out of Orange County and Long Beach areas and took it all up to that Central California area. And really, in my opinion, too, diversified your portfolio by having more low-priced homes than fewer high-priced homes. Would you agree with that? I totally agree with that. I know that we, I'm skipping over a few years here, and you and I have this in common now, so I, I skipped over one of my big stories. But uh, because Long Beach was my very, I was very familiar with the town. And I happened to have a pal that was a parole officer, and she knew I was into the you know, buying apartments, doing condos, and you know, hanging around Long Beach, doing whatever I could, for, looking for a deal. And she said, "Hey, we are looking. The parole office is are looking for for housing for our parolees. Would you be interested in that?" And I said, uh, "No, of course not. They're freaks. I'm not going to do that." And she says, "Well." Um, you know, the, the state is paying like, you know, five to $600 um, per person per month. And you can get, you know, six people into a, a house and, you know, a word. I did the math. I went, hmm, uh, let's see, that, that does work, you know, <laughs> 36, you know, six, 600 times six, 3,600 bucks. And I just found a house. I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. I bought a house. It was a fixer house. I bought this house in Long Beach. It was total REO junk house, but it was on a busy street and it qualified, which is very important. It qualified for the parameters of the parolees, where they could or could not live. And I had that marked out on my map of where I could look. And I found this little dumpster and I bought it, fixed it. I think I bought it for like two, two oh five. It was totally junked out. So I had to stick about thirty into it to fix it up and to furnish it. And even before I had the last layer of paint and the bunk beds delivered, I had six guys waiting with their six hundred dollars in their hands to come in to move in. Fantastic. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, it was, it was shocking. It was, it was good. So it got me a little more interested in that. It, it, it happened so fast, and the parole officers, and I started meeting more of the officers, and they said, "Hey, I got, I got three more guys. Can you put them up?" I said, uh, "No, I'm full." But I bought the next door building, and it was a apartment building, a four unit building. So not instead of six, I could get 24 guys and, you know, multiply 24 times five to 600 bucks and a month. And it, the math worked again, but I had run out of money at the time. So I would never let a deal go. I knew it was a fantastic deal. I was never going to let it go. So I had to go deal with the hard money loan sharks, but they're my pals and you have to swim with them occasionally which I did. So I ended up uh, financing, getting the money very quickly. And I, my hard, 
hard man met me up there, wanted to see what I was doing because, you know, once I tell him what I was doing, uh, he wanted to see it. So I came up, looked at it and said, yeah, I'm okay with it. So I actually refinanced my first house that I had purchased with cash. I refinanced that, the house, and it was, and he also helped to finance the purchase of the four Plex. So by then, hard money lenders are my my friends, and I was able to start really wheeling and dealing once I knew that I had their cash, even though it was expensive money. But it, it, again, you just have to it's timing. You have to have the relationships. They have to know who you are and trust what you're doing. And I, I you know, I had a pretty decent history. Uh, so he said, yeah, here's a checkbook, you know, as long as you pay me my 10% and a couple of points, you know, have as much money as you want. So it worked out. I, I feel like I was a warden for six, seven years. <laughs> I, but well, well, tell us, how I, were the guys? How were your tenants? Were they, were they good overall? Were they problems? Were you happy you did the investment or were you regretful? What was your overall experience? I was very happy. I, I really liked the guys that we became, I'm not saying we became friends, not friends with any of them, but friendly is the term. And they were very respectful to me and my partner. Uh, we were very hands-on with fixing it up, keeping it up. There was another person that had similar homes for similar clientele. And he was a horrible person, you know, total slumlord. We just call him, we just called him bed bug Tom. And he was just disgusting. And a lot of the guys that would come to my place from one of his places were just like, they were in heaven. It's like, oh my gosh, this is like so nice. And, you know, you're used to gutting and fixing things up. So the place, places weren't horrible. They had nice tiles floors and nice counters and cabinets so you know they were so nice and word got around and I just had as many felons as I could handle and I <laughs> handled them for six seven you know then then I got tired I really I really just got tired of driving to Long Beach and dealing with the guys it, it wasn't a bad I, I can't I, I won't say that they were horrible I had you know out of hundreds of felons that I deal with. I had a couple of bad apples, but the the beauty at the time was that they, these were not tenants. These were guests. That's a big difference. They're, they were guests and they had to sign all these forms and it, the laws weren't applicable as a normal California tenant landlord law. So if the guys didn't pay their rent or they were problems, I, I, I'd call their parole officer and say, hey, I'm kicking this guy out, come pick him up. And I'd have a guy just bag up his clothes and throw it on the street. I mean, it it, it was that kind of a daily activity, but you'd try to keep the really mentally ill people out of your homes. And, and the guys that were good, they, they're still there. I mean, I've had guys that have been there for all ever since i opened the door so they don't want to leave they even off parole they say well i just want to live here so i just i like it here i just can live here so anyway I end up selling those buildings um actually i sold the fourplex to you so how you know the job and the business and i sold the house to another investor 
that was the only side that was a little difficult. I knew it would be hard to sell. I certainly couldn't just throw it on the MLS and say, here, come be a warden. Do you have a bunch of felons? <laughs> <laughs> no, and just in case the audience is not hearing Val clearly, she is saying felons, ONS, not fellas. So yeah, these are guys that have been incarcerated and are out on parole. And yes, I took it over and it's a lucrative business and it's going well. So thank you, Val. <laughs> yeah, well, just because just to be frank about it, I mean, these these are sex offenders, so they're even more difficult. I mean, these were people that had a pretty bad rap sheet, and uh, but again, they did not want to go back to jail. And that uh, they looked at me, and they knew I had one phone call away, they'd be back in jail. So they were uh, treated me with the utmost respect. I mean, if, if I told them to clean up their room, it'd be done in ten minutes. But so it was. It just was an injury. I just got tired. Like I said, I. I it was a lot of time. The money was friggin' fantastic. The cash flow, unbelievable. But I just didn't want to do it. And I tell you, seven years of being a, a warden, you're, you're done. So I'm glad to hand the keys to you and to Mike, the other guy that bought the house. And, and he's happy. I hope you're happy. And you know, again, selling it, reselling it, the exit strategy is the one that was a little difficult. And you'll find that out when you try to sell your building. So um, that was that story. So yes, I skipped over a few years in Long Beach, but again, having the getting the mindset back to hey, I like that monthly money instead of the annual big chunk of a hundred grand or whatever you know I was going to make on a one big deal. And I did this change. You had to just turn around and change your mindset and which is what I did and that's when I said okay I'm just going to go with normal rental <laughs> single family homes little multi multi-family when I can find them and but yeah I just went all in went all in up in Kern County and look still looking for other things other places but I just bought another one uh, a couple of days ago so I I'm so involved and I know every street in town and probably own a house on every street in town and so I, I can't turn them down when they're such a bargain I, I just can't believe it I'm very <laughs> I happy. love it I'm the same <laughs> way I mean, we're deal addicts and maybe that's what makes us successful and I think it's really fun you know I'm, I'm sure this is still a fun venture for you it's not you know you know you don't dread it it's just an exciting fun way to have control of your own destiny financially and make money and you're providing good safe clean housing for lots of people so would you mind sharing how many homes you have up in taft now or the taft area well yeah i just call it bakersfield area um no i don't want to say, no, i don't want to say it um uh, well you don't have oh, to but well, it's a lot well we'll just say it's can we say safely that it's more than 10. <laughs> uh yeah so let's definitely say it's more than 10. um but anyway, back to this deal I just bought. Okay, so people say there's no deals. They can't find a deal. I have to go to Memphis. I have to go to Detroit to find deals. No, you don't. But I, again, don't go to my town. <laughs> just stay. But Kern County, there's there's some gold mines up there, I tell you. And I just bought a deal. I was on Thursday. I was driving to Big Bear on the phone. And my auction guy, which we bought it on the auction, 
And he goes, okay, it's going right now. I'm driving. So, but I knew how much uh, was my max to pay. And um, the magic number was $48,000. So uh, sure enough, that's what I got the house for, 48 grand. So, and I knew the street. I owned two, three other ones on the same street. So it was a no-brainer, sight unseen. Of course, I did do have a full-time guy up there. I, you know, works on my homes, but had him drive by and make sure it wasn't a burnt down hell hole. But it, he said, no, it's fine. He had actually broken into the house and looked at it and said, yeah, it's got good bones. It needs this and that and whatever. It's fine. I can budget another 10 grand to fix it up and get it rented. Again, I just bought it Thursday. I already have a tenant for it that's moving in next week. And my guys are turning it around quickly and I'm renting it for $750 probably could have rented it for more but snagged a fish right away and I took it so you know run the numbers 48 maybe put in five eh, let's say 10 grand five grand five to ten haven't finished it so I don't know um and I've already have it rented for 750 the math is fantastic I uh, I can't help myself I have to keep buying them <laughs> Well, um, something I would like to point out for our listeners, too, is, as you're mentioning, you have team up there. It is um, a how many hour drive from where you live? Is it four hours? How far is that? No, it's like two and a half. I'm there having a beer somewhere. So Okay. Okay. So it's not, it's not somewhere where you can just, you know, check on your house in your own town all the time. It is a drive, but you know, you've built a good team. You've got a property manager or two. You've got someone that can, you've got a handyman, which, I mean, do you have a guy full time yet for your homes or you still just call people off a Craigslist to get your handyman work or what's your situation there? No, I no, I don't do that. I've ne- I do not ever do that. But no, I got two full time guys that work on my two. It's a father son team that full time. Uh, wow! So yeah. you've got a good sized team, and then someone buying at auction for you. So lest anyone think this is just super easy to do, you know, three hours away or two and a half hours away from where you live. You know, you've you've definitely put in a lot of time and energy and investing and and team and and sometimes you get bad apples on your team and you and you got to try for new ones right <laughs> oh yeah i've had my share of bad apples but that's why i don't do the craigslist you know risking anymore I mean, i've risked on some other guys and just had horrible experiences but you know it just comes with part of the game and then you just write the check and turn your eyes and try not to cry too much over it and go to the next deal so <laughs> that's what I did, but I'm not buying too much anymore. I, I, I'm, I am slowing down. I mean, I, at, at one point I was buying three or four a month and now I'm buying, you know, three or four a year. So I, I'm not the crazy uh, buying up the whole town anymore. I'm, I'm just fixing the ones I have, taking care of my tenants. I, I'm, I'm really backing out of the very aggressive moves that I was making. And I feel comfortable about that. And that's the main that's the main thing that we, why we do this, to feel comfortable, you know, feel yeah, comfortable with the money, but I also want to feel comfortable by not, you know, being such a rabid rabbit up there. But now I do this all from my home. I do not need to go there. I do not need to look at the properties. I have a whole team and can do this from my car or my cell phone without doing anything. So 
it's a great life. That's awesome. Well, we need to wrap up here, but I would love if in closing here, if you could share a piece of advice for someone new and starting out, because I know you, you're pretty good at remembering how you felt the beginning and how you were scared. So give your advice to someone brand new and then maybe to someone who's more seasoned and experienced. Two pieces of advice before we sign off. Okay. Wow. Quickly. Well, for the beginners, I, I mean, it is scary. I, I, I hope I have instilled my sense. It, 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 it is scary. So you, you can't just jump into any deal, even though on the flip side, there's a, there's a deal a day, there's a deal a minute. So you have to be cautious in the beginning. You have to be knowledgeable. You have to be connected with people and, and that's the, that's how you're going to get a deal unless you just something pops in your lap like an ant dies and gives you your house. But I mean, you have to, you must have relationships with people. I encourage everyone to go to any club, local clubs, they're everywhere. And that's where I found a, a ton of my deals, a ton of my contacts, almost every little leapfrog I've done has been because of someone I've met at one of these invest clubs. They are fantastic. And I didn't even know about them when I was, when I started, you know, five years into what, what I was doing, I walked into one of these clubs and went, what? <laughs> I was, I almost cried with joy seeing all these people that were trying to do the same thing that I was doing. And uh, I was in heaven. So of course you've got to do that. And then for the more seasoned investors, just, you know, be very strategic. I mean, I, I found a niche and I exploited it. I'm totally in. Now, the opposite side of that is that I'm totally invested in a kind of a one-trick pony town. So uh, that could come crashing down at any minute. And that's why I'm trying to diversify and, and not be 100% there. Um but I'm also learning more about notes and actually becoming the note holder and just knocking on my tenant's door and say, hey, you know, why don't you just own this house and just get a low down payment and I'll carry the papers for them. So that's my exit strategy to be not not to own the town, but just to own a lot of paper. So my my future goals is to become more knowledgeable about that because I'll be doing that a lot. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Sounds like you owe a lot of your success or attribute a lot of your success to your networking. And obviously, you're so successful at that. And that's how we met and have done business together. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of networking. And I, I love to say, you know, all my chit-chatting in school got me in trouble with teachers, but, you know, made me millions of dollars when I became a grown-up. So it's okay. <laughs> And I tell my own son that who gets in trouble at age 14 for talking and stuff like, it's okay, honey, you're going to be rich when you grow up. So it's okay. Don't worry about what the teacher says. <laughs> uh, you're a good mom and you're a good professional person. I have the utmost respect for Holly McCann. She's the best. Oh, you're awesome, Val. Well, if anybody wanted to reach out and ask you any questions about anything, um, would it be okay to give out an email address where they could reach out to you? 
Yeah, that'd be fine. Okay. That'd be fine. Well, I'll, I'll put your email address in the show notes. So anybody that wants um, Val's email address can go to our show notes and check that out. And Val, thank you so much for your time today. And to all of our listeners, get out there. Hopefully you've been inspired by Val's story and all the different investing activities that she's done and all of her success. So get out there and make some great things happen. Have a good year. Happy New Year. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. You can find our show notes at our website, houseflipmasters.com, on the podcast page. Also, to get our top tips for finding deals without spending lots of money, go to houseflipmasters.com for your free download today.